Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. Our motto is never allow age to be an excuse because I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring you to accomplish your goals and live your very best life because it's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start living your own. People always talk about their purpose or gift. If you have a gift, leave with your gift. Don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest, oh, I've been waiting on her a long time because it's about H-R-D-E-I, is Natalie E. Norfolk. She is the founder and managing owner of the Norfolk Farm PLLC, where she partners with employers on DEI and HR strategies. Natalie believes there is no one-size-fits-all approach to HR or DEI initiatives. She uses a metric-based model to help organizations develop policies and programs and goals that are customized to their needs. Natalie's career has touched on many areas of HR and DEI, including having served as the chief diversity officer for multi-billion dollar brands with responsibility for setting the strategies, vision, and all facets of each brand's DEI initiatives. We'll be talking a lot about the future of the workplace for both employees and employers. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass, Natalie E. Norfolk. How you doing, Natalie? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, first of all, thank you for coming on my show. And um, HR, you know, uh, <laughs> the game really changed during, during COVID because this country shut down and we didn't know how to deal with employees. Walk us to that. Tell, to walk us up to COVID and then COVID and then, and then we'll start our conversation after you explain walking up to COVID and then what happened during COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I think the workplace was pretty well settled prior to COVID, right? Um, working from home was less common. You know, some employers had telework policies and allowed folks to work from home when needed. Um, and so that meant that HR folks also had, you know, practice, practices and procedures that were pretty well settled. Then we were hit with the unexpected in 2020. And for, uh, you know, office jobs, folks who worked behind a desk and a computer, it shifted um, in ways that no one was really ready for. So you suddenly had managers managing groups remotely, and they'd never had any kind of training or ability or had ever done it before. You had HR folks scrambling because you're thinking, okay, we thought it was two weeks and it was going to be four weeks. And then here we are three years later, and some folks still haven't gone back into the office. Um, and it really impacted the, the H part in the human resources because folks were going through a lot. And I would say the biggest thing that we saw that's so different outside of, you know, a lot of people working from home is 
they were bringing home to work. Right. Um, and so that meant literally we're at home working. And also because most of us witnessed uh, more sickness and loss than we would in a lifetime in the past few years where we were dealing with a lot of mental health issues that, again, people weren't really prepared for. So it's completely changed the workplace. And when we look at the workplace now, um, I think there's a huge pendulum shift for employees um, because there's labor shortages and folks got used to working from home and they're like, we're not coming back. So that's presented even a whole different layer um, for HR professionals and how to manage uh, keeping folks satisfied enough to stay and do a good job. Well, it's important that you speak like that because of the fact that, you know, I, I read a report that said on remote work, 77% of the young people said they don't want to work remotely. And um, my, I employ people. I'm in the creative space. I'm a marketing and branding company. I don't like my employees to even consider that option because creatively, I need to go back and forth with you. I need to you know, sometimes look over your shoulder, make sure we are on this aligned with the same conversation. So let's talk about the resistance of the younger generation to working remotely. Well, I actually see it the other way. The younger generation typically wants to work remotely. Mm -hmm. um, there's a resistance to them coming into the office. There's a resistance to people of all age groups coming into the office because the last three years proved with a lot of us who were saying, including myself, that we can, we can be productive from home. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is definitely value to being in person. And I think that the difficulty right now is that People, again, of all age generations have seen, hey, some of our companies did the best years they've ever done with us working from home. They made the most money they've ever made with us working from home. And a lot of employers are not really, really identifying the value to at least coming in person, you know, a couple days a week. And so folks feel like it's a scam, right? Oh, you just want me in here because you're paying a lease. You don't want me in here. Like there's no real reason for me to be in here. Or if you're, you know, some of the bigger companies that own camp big campuses out West, you own all this land and you own this huge campus and you just want us here because you don't want to waste your money. And that's what most, that's what the arguments become. Right. From my perspective, there, we need different options for different people. We all work differently, right? right. Like we actually had a team call today and, um, Two of our newer employees were like, we want to do more in person or we want to do more team building. And I actually applauded them. I was like, I really appreciate y'all for taking the initiative because those of us who've been here a long time, we're used to just working at home, cranking out, doing the work. But for, for them to say, hey, we want, we want more connectivity. Hey, I'm all for it. Let's do it. I just think you have to really do the analysis to understand what works best for your, your employees and your, what you offer, what you do in terms of a business. Here's a question I want to ask now. This is really important, Natalie. DEI. Um, you know, you hear it a lot. In fact, you know, I, I, it became a buzzword right after George Floyd's death. And it just took over the industry. You know, it was, it was all about equity. It was all about inclusive. I remember every company, Fortune 500 company, felt there was a need to right or wrong. What exactly is DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion? What is that? So I appreciate you asking that because I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the divisiveness that's out there with some of the headlines, you would think it's something pretty evil, but it's actually um, pretty straightforward. So when we think about um, I, I, anybody who hears me talk knows I love the dictionary. So when we look at the dictionary definition of diversity. It means being composed of differing elements. 
So every single one of us is diverse in some way. Where you grew up, food you eat, whether you're an only child, you have siblings, are you a parent, are you a grandparent? All those little elements make you who you are. So when you think about uh, that term and applying it to people, we all walk through the door with some kind of diversity. Now, when we're talking about it in the workplace, we're usually trying to focus on the groups that are not represented or marginalized. Um, And so there's that piece. Equity, the most basic definition of equity is fairness. It gets conflated and confused with equality all the time. Equity is about removing those barriers to access, right? Um, You know, some of the most basic examples were, if you think back to the 60s before the Civil Rights Act was passed, Black folks didn't have access to that same education or the opportunity to have the same education as white folks did. So when we look at it in present day, what are some of the barriers that certain groups have to entry, right? Just to get through the door and have the access to that opportunity. That's what we're looking at with equity and making sure your processes and your practices are fair for everyone and give everyone the opportunity to succeed. Thank you for that response, Natalie. But let's get a little more deeper in regards to uh, what they, what diversity, equity, inclusion, because it, it sounds like a bad word, a bad three letters, you know, politicians, you know. How I became a political um, uh, tool, uh, a manipulation, that's what I like to use, manipulation, and uh, because every time you try to, you know, equalize a wrong, people feel that the people you're trying to equalize it for are saying, people step back and go, why? You know, like people, you know, your people go, why are we celebrating Juneteenth? Why are we worried about reparations? Why, 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 why are we concerned about the Japanese being put in uh, camps in World War II? Why, why? So they, they should get over that. But diversity, equity, inclusion is trying to fix the attitude of people who said you should get over that, correct? Yes, and, right? So I think when you, I just want to touch on what you're saying. I think when people are saying like, why, why are you focusing on, you know, certain marginalized groups? Um, there's a fear that it somehow attacks their own identity, right? right? That making space for folks that have been wronged somehow takes away from you. And, and I just always try to inc- encourage people to realize that power is infinite. So when people are thinking about why, why are we worried about Juneteenth? It's almost like if I share my power, it takes away from me. But I always say when you share your power, it makes us all more powerful. And so kind of getting from, I just had conversations yesterday. We're not saying fire all the white guys and hire all the black people. That's not what this is about. But people sometimes have that fear. So when you think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, and and again, your, 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 your show focuses on money. So I'm going to focus on money for a second. There you go. Put aside what your heart has in it, right? The, the, the numbers tell you that when you have diverse teams who come from different backgrounds and who have different ways of thinking, you have better innovation. Innovation leads to you making more money. There's tons of research out there that shows when you have diverse leadership teams, you outperform your competitors from a bottom line perspective. So to me, it's a business issue to begin with, right? When we're talking about it from a workplace standpoint. And then the second standpoint is because we do live in a society that really puts people in boxes and it puts us like you fight for your box. So 
um, I'm a woman, I have to check woman on boxes, I've got to fight for my box, it puts us in corners sometimes, as opposed to being able to say, what do we have in common first? Because right. to ha- be able to have these tough conversations, you have to have some level of trust. And that starts off by saying, like, what do we have in common? And then being able to get deeper on some of these tougher topics, like, you know, you know, what has it been like to be profiled by the police? If, if I knew that about you, I don't know if you have, but if you had, mm-hmm. you may not want to talk about that if we don't have anything, any kind of connection or trust. And I think that's where we work with people a lot, like get to know folks. Don't get so caught up in like the terms, because really what this is boiling down to is the humanity of it all. People being able to show up to work and feel like they're valued and that they have a shot at being successful at where, whatever they've chosen to do. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. HBCUs represent Black excellence. If you attend or are an alumnus of an HBCU, we want to hear about your story. The My HBCU Story Digital Library will allow current HBCU students and alumni to share their stories. Registration is open to everyone. More information is available at hbcucollegeday.com. Click My HBCU Story. Next, you can upload a photo. The photo can be recent or from when you attended your HBCU. Then, share your academic or social experience at your HBCU and how attending an HBCU changed your life. We also want to hear stories if you pledged a fraternity or sorority. The goal is to use your My HBCU story to promote and uplift the HBCU brand. Your HBCU prepared you for success, and now we want everyone to read about your Black excellence. More information is available at hbcucollegeday.com. You can click My HBCU story to share your story. Let me tell you about the host of Money Making Conversations, Rushan McDonald. He's a social media influencer. 80% of his 1 million plus social media followers are female. Rushan's a two-time Emmy Award winner, three-time NAACP Image Award winner, sitcom writer, stand-up comic, and former IBM executive. And he has a degree in mathematics. More importantly, Rushan McDonald will interview his business and celebrity relationships to empower you with tips to succeed in your career. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiments and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. (laughs) Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. 
If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Politics, but why is politics dancing in this now? You know, two big states that have really used it is Florida and Texas. And it really angers me in a, not, a, not, not an anger, physical way, but it angers me because they're, 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 they're stretching the truth. They're extending it for potential votes. They are educating the audience that may already have um, deep-rooted values that that uh, that we're giving too much to the minority community. Your thoughts? So I think that it's an overreach. I think that particularly in the state I live in, um, which is Florida, there's this desire to overreach for an opponent's candidate base. I mean, um, voter base is, is really the only sense I can make out of this, that, that you've got to talk this talk and be tough and divisive to get a voter base. But the part that I still cannot figure out after lots of research mm-hmm. is the, the, the business behind it, right? Because it doesn't make any business sense. Again, forget about what's in your heart. We know we, we all, ca- I care about this deeply as part of who I am, but I think about it from business perspective, it's very anti-business. Because when you think about just the fight that's going on with Disney, Disney is one of the largest publicly held country uh, companies in the world. They're one of the largest employers in the state. Um, and they have a huge DEI program. So when you're picking a fight with a company that employs a lot of your constituents over something that no one asked you to pick a fight over, it's, it doesn't, it, it's hard to make sense out of. Mm-hmm. It also deters businesses. We, we were slated down in Miami um, to get a bunch of the tech companies that were formerly based out on the West Coast that were coming here. It's like, okay, if we're going to be in the DER, are you going to penalize us? Should we come here? Should Mm -hmm. we not? And so I don't get that from the standpoint of you want your constituents to have jobs. Mm -hmm. Like what what the point is here? I also talk to people all over the state, which obviously we always joke about Miami is like its own state. Miami is very different from the rest of Florida, Mm -hmm. but nobody was asking for this. So like, it's like a thing where you're like, it wasn't even something that there were like protests and people were fighting against DEI initiatives. So it, it, it is very bizarre. I've talked to a number of Republicans to try to get <laughs> their view on it. So I'm like, because I'm a researcher at heart. So I want to understand the position. And the best that I've come up with so far is worrying about a particular voter base, which, again, in the end, it doesn't, it doesn't track, like, it doesn't make sense in the long run. So how did you become an expert ah. in DEI? I, well, I know I'm not. I, I'm a, I'm a, a commentary person, but I am not even an expert. In, and being an expert in this area, what are the qualifications? Oh, that's such a great question. So for me, I think a big part of my start, I always say, was my own identity. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm multiracial. My mom was Jewish and her family came over during the Holocaust. My grandparents were sharecroppers, uh, moved up north like a lot of black people. Uh, so my grandfather could work in a steel mill. They're Christian. Um, so my whole life was buried in all those different layers. Yeah, um, and I've studied other cultures, other governments, 
um, since I started college. And so um, I've been always laser focused on other understanding people that are different from me. It's just fascinating. Then I, I, my practice area as a lawyer is employment law, which means I had to learn a lot about DEI to be able to advise my clients and what they can do in the workplace. And then once I was in-house, um, I became a chief diversity officer for brands that were very data-driven, which allowed me to learn Six Sigma problem solving, learn how to tell stories with numbers, which is a lot more effective than talking about feelings. Um, and so I built my sort of DEI practice about firmly about 10 years ago in that role. Um, and since then, I mean, we study, we are a bunch of nerds. I work with nerds. I'm a nerd. We love to study and keep up with the trends. And again, just bring the numbers to life. Like, what are your numbers telling you about what you need to be doing with your workforce? You know, so uh, educate me on this. Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Has that been around a long time? So in its current state and how we talk about it, it started off with the D, with diversity in the like late 90s. Coca-Cola was one of the first companies that really sort of put the, the word diversity to their programming. Um, and then it was diversity and inclusion, uh, probably in the 2010s. And then now we're diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, but I, I always say it's a pretty young industry. It's about 25 years old, um, young adult. <laughs> Right. In terms of like just the the methodology around it, but mm -hmm. yeah, so not super, not not in terms of how we talk about it, but I think that there's always been people out there from the civil rights movement and beyond, focused on finding ways in which we all have an opportunity to be to live sort of the so-called American dream. Okay, now I've got time to get personal because I okay. employ people. Okay, I employ people, and I see these companies out here sending emails and laying people off via emails. It's so impersonal. And let's talk about the relationship between the employer and the employee. Can I, I'm just asking, not saying I do, can I question the way a person dresses at my office? Well, so that depends, right? It depends on, on your workplace. If you work in a hotel where you require people to wear uniforms and someone comes up out of uniform, then you could question what they're wearing. Um, but, but to the point of it being a job necessity, um, when it comes to, if you have a work, if you have a dress code, I'm always encouraging people to make sure your dress code isn't biased um, and doesn't discourage or exclude folks and assuming it doesn't, mm -hmm. um, as long as people are within your dress code, I always advise not to do that because it could lead to other issues. Um, it could, you could, if you're only asking the woman why she's dressed a certain way, she might think she's being singled out because she's a woman mm -hmm. or that some other nefarious thing might be happening. But I'm curious why you'd want to ask people about how they're dressed at work. Well, I was like, I, I, no, I just know that I, I feel so restrictive and I'm an opinionated person. If I yeah. somebody come in and I don't like something they wear, I can't say I don't like what you're wearing. I can't say that. I mean, you could, but would that be very inclusive? I mean, to be, uh, I might be helping them out. Who knows? Maybe, I, you know. Maybe. You know, I, I'm just saying, but that's that's kind of like, you know, just because you, you're paying a person and I can't tell them, hey, 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 don't wear that tomorrow. That is not, that doesn't work for you. You know, and that's just a simple statement. They can take it where they want to take it. I'm not going to go into detail. And you said, Rashawn, don't do that. I would say don't do that. Because oh. if it doesn't interfere with the work, 
<laughs> then but it, it interferes with me. I see it. No, I see no. it. Okay, no. <laughs> oh my god. Firm uh, no on this. Oh one. my god. Come on, Natalie. Okay, okay. Next question. I'm going. I had to ask. Okay. Now, <laughs> now, how do you handle people who come in late all the time? To work? Yes, ma'am. Um, I mean, through performance management, hopefully you have some kind of expectation set mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. I think that's do where you, a do lot you, of do you are you do you like let them roll a few times and then you are you do you stop them at number two or number three? Well, you know, they, you know, like I said, uh, I, I let me back. Let me ask you this question: If a person, if your work starts at eight o'clock, eight o'clock. Should I expect them to be there and ready to work at eight o'clock or do I, or should they arrive on time at eight and then prep for work? It depends on the expectation you set. Okay. So that's, that. I mean, that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like I think we're in any, any workplace issue, mm-hmm. you have a rule, mm-hmm. important people know what your rule is right. and you're clear about the expectation. And you know, I will. Yep, so I clearly, because you're very opinionated. <laughs> so then the, the second piece of it is, is like once you've set the expectation, which I think a lot of employers fail to do, and they're frustrated, but they never told the person what they wanted in the first place, mm-hmm. um, that then when your expectation isn't met the first time, you have a conversation about it. Conversations are not confrontations, which a lot of people think. Um, conversation doesn't mean they're getting fired. It means, hey, so was there something not clear about the rule? Is there something that, you know, is preventing you from, from adhering to it so that you're not getting to two, three, four, five? I always discourage against waiting because then you're really annoyed by the time you talk to the person and then your delivery <laughs> is often off, right? Because you're like, I've just been watching this person. They just, what, they just think they can come in at whatever time they want to come in. So it's uh, like, talk about it right away. Was it Natalie Rashad? Stop it before it builds up now, because you're going to go in there with an attitude and it can go right. Exactly. Oh, go right. Okay, cool. I got that. Avoid the attitude by Avoid getting, the attitude. getting Avoid straight the attitude. to it. Just, just, just stop it. So, so I like the idea. Okay. If you have a dress code, Bushan, that's the situation. Do not tell people, hey, just because you don't like the way they dress, don't share your opinion. Okay. Unless it's a dress code tied to it at your place of business. Okay. Got that right there. And saying, so if they come into work late, step in real early and nip that in the bud and under, also try to find out why are they coming in late? Right. Just don't assume that everybody is tied to your lifestyle. And, then, and there's sometimes there's obstacles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you have a team, you know, sometimes in your head, the idea sounds great. Like we should do it this way. And sometimes like people are afraid to tell you like, but what you want can't happen or it can't happen that way. And they're trying to figure out how to make it happen the way you told them. And they might be wasting time. So when you open up the conversation and say, you know, is there obstacles I should be aware of? Sometimes they're going to tell you something. You're like, oh, gosh, I didn't even think about that. Right. And so maybe you make some adjustments. It's not always just your way or the highway. I don't know with you might be your way or the highway, but it's there not. You go, Natalie. Come on, Natalie. <laughs> Join my club. Join my club. You know, like I said, I've been waiting on this interview because I've been wanting to talk to an expert. I do have an <laughs> HR department and she does, you know. Keep me aligned, Rashawn. You can't say that, Rashawn. You can't do that. Yeah. I said, thank you. Uh, you, you, you're saving me, and every check I pay you is a valued opportunity to keep my company open because you're stopping yeah. me from doing something stupid. Now you are, you are, you have a great podcast with a great name. Thank you. What is the deal? D I E L. Tell us about that podcast. So, what's the deal? It's diversity, equity, inclusion, and leadership. We built the podcast because we found that in many of our projects. 
um, they, they fall or they succeed based on the tone from the top and leaders' involvement. And a lot of the leaders we deal with want to do the right thing, but they don't want to say the wrong thing and they don't want to make missteps, which is kind of impossible, right? We're all going to say something and make a mistake. You know, we, we, we have to get comfortable with making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so we built it so we could, in very short periods of time, 15, 20 minutes, give leaders practical tips on how to do this work well um, and how to be advocates, how to be allies, how to make sure that their company um, is moving forward Uh, DEI in a sustainable way. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was... And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. You are now tuned into the Money Making Conversations Minute of Inspiration with Rashawn McDonald. I spoke with NBC Today's show co-host Al Roker about achieving a life of happiness and success through the power of yes. It's not about the money, but more about pursuing the opportunity. I love what I do. To be in this industry, you know, people say, oh, you work so hard. I said, you know what? My dad drove a bus for eight hours a day, worked a lot of overtime. Sometimes we wouldn't see him for a couple of days. That's really hard work. This is work, but I love what I'm doing. It's not a job. It's my passion. So if in the long term, this is going to bring me something, I don't know if it is or not. But all I know is that if I give somebody else the opportunity to do it, then I don't get that opportunity. So I will put in the hours. I will bust my butt Mm -hmm. to do it because I want whatever's going to come after it, not somebody else. If you want to hear this full interview with Al Roker, visit MoneyMakingConversation.com. Keep winning. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. I'm talking to Natalie, um, Natalie E. Norfus. She is the founding and managing owner of the Norfus firm, PLLC. She's a, she is what I would like to say a DEI guru. She's been called an expert. She has, she has uh, pulled my coattail, so to speak, on how I may want to present my workspace in HR. And she said, Rashawn, you'd be shut down in uh, a matter of days if you proceed in that direction. But I think that 
and that's what a needed role for you is in this society. When we have remote work, when we have people who don't see a need to go to college, they want to get certificates and can, can make a nice, they can make money that a four year institution may have given them 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so what's next for you? You know, you're articulate, you're, you're down there in, in Miami, you know, hot Miami, you know, and you're originally from the Cleveland area, correct? I am. I see, am. How you know, Cleveland, Miami. To come on now, Midwest. Well, and I spent time in. I spent half my life in D.C. and I came here from Chicago, so I've gotten a chance to live in Ooh, girl. Chicago. <laughs> I spent five years there. You can stop talking to me about cold weather. <laughs> I know it. I got clothes. I still can't wear. No exactly. place but Chicago. But Miami. What is the future for you, my friend? So hey, we're going to keep this train moving. Um, spending the summer in Europe, which is going to be amazing, just to s- connect with some colleagues there and. Again, always trying to learn. And we're going to keep pushing this podcast and making sure we're out here, making sure our voice is heard. Um, We're very, very much uh, for the people and want to make sure that we see a lot of this work that we're we're, we're doing um, sustain itself over the years and hopefully work us out of jobs, you know, and that I don't know that it'll be in our lifetime, but, you know, hopefully we're to that point where these jobs aren't needed because, you know, we're we're working from a, you know, you know, there's going to be the caste system. It's always, if you're all the same color, it's going to be the caste system. Everybody wants to be more important than the other person. So yeah. inclusion. I close on one this thing. I, I, being that I'm a minority, and uh, this is something I've been noticing more. I've noticed I'm always trying to compete. And I'm noticing that the word minority is starting to become more associated, or maybe I just didn't notice it, with white women, because white women are sliding into the minority landscape. When you're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, who exactly are you referencing? So we don't use the word minority um, because it to us is somewhat white centered in that it suggests that people of color are a minority and we aren't. If you look around the world, people of color are the majority. So that's why you'll hear me say underrepresented groups are marginalized groups because we're Mm. not represented in positions of power. Um, diversity and equity inclusion touches everyone. Um, the reality though, is that there's certain groups. So meaning like even a 50 year old white guy is included in DEI in terms of maybe they're more of the ally to folks that are not represented. But when we think about it, everyone plays a role in DEI. So, I mean, to your question, there are situations where, and and there's still a lot of very male dominated industries Mm -hmm. where women are underrepresented. Mm-hmm. So that would include white women being underrepresented in certain right. cases. Mm-hmm. When you look at um, black people in particular, the the types of uh, inequities that black, black people have faced since the dawn of time in this country, have we've just had a really hard time undoing them. And so I think that's why you, you hear a lot of conversation around race and black people in particular, because a lot of us are still like, we're still waiting for you to fix it, right? So- right. I think that's why sometimes these things get conflated. But at the end, every single person has an obligation to take part in some form of of DEI effort, of whether it be from recognizing your privilege and your power and being a mentor or a sponsor for someone, whether it being using your voice and saying, hey, look, you know, we're not we're not doing right here. Uh, We all have a role here. Awesome. I really want to thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. What is the deal? Uh, D-E-I-L. Uh, that's a leadership group tied to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I always say that, you know, 
your purpose, your sense of purpose is always important. There always be a place for it. And that's why I really, really appreciated you allowing me to be very serious and kind of like poke fun at myself from an HR perspective, because so I've learned that people can hear information in different ways. And it's important that they hear it and accept it as being accurate and bringing on my show, Money Making Conversation Masterclass, a DEI expert was very, very important. And again, when you get back from Europe, you're out there doing your thing. Let's connect in the fall because that's a whole different atmosphere. We'll find out how they still treat DEI in the political world and see if we still have a place we can call home. But thank you for coming on my show. Thank Natalie. you. Thank you. Have a good one. I really appreciate you. I really do. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Money Making Conversations Masterclass. Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald is produced by 3815 Media Inc. More information about 3815 Media Inc. is available at 3815media.com. And always remember to lead with your gifts. Everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council.